the thing we have to understand as firefighters is love it or hate the, the ambulance. It's not up to us to decide if our department is going to transport or not. If the department decides to transport, we are going to have to do that service if we want to stay with that department. Enchanted Sky Media. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Lots of departments require you to be a paramedic as well as a firefighter, and that may be a good thing, but it can also lead to conflict. In some departments, this cross-training means firefighters are assigned to ambulances rather than engines or trucks. Many of them may end up wanting to leave otherwise excellent work environments because they don't want to deal with EMS as their primary job. How you view this situation is largely a matter of attitude, of course. Ben Thompson wrote an article on firefighting from an ambulance a while back for FireRescue1.com. He's a lieutenant for the Birmingham Fire and Rescue Service. He's been the coordinator of the department's mobile integrated health program, Birmingham Fire and Rescue Cares, since 2016. And Ben Thompson joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hey, thanks, Scott. Glad to be here. In the article, you said you've seen firefighters leave your department for others, even with lower pay, to get off an ambulance. Why do they do that? Well, you know, the uh, they want more opportunity to be on suppression apparatus. And, you know, with the transition from strictly a fire-based service to providing EMS, EMS has kind of been like a, a landslide as far as trying to take over our time and it's just kind of hard to get out from under, you know, being responsible for transporting, you know, so many patients because EMS is just such a big, big project, big uh, responsibility. It's just that they would like to do more in the fire service aside from just transport. So if I hear you correctly, what you're really saying is that they feel like that working in ambulance is not what they signed up for. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, a lot of a lot of paramedics and ENTs get their start in private a private service where it's strictly transport only. And when they transition to the fire service, they're kind of trying to get away from just the transports and just providing EMS to doing more, you know, fire suppression, vehicle extrication, rope rescue, all those things. But uh, EMS is such a big thing that it's kind of hard to break away even when you get into the fire service to, to do those things. Well, is it fair to assign a firefighter who wanted to deal with suppression to a solely EMS job? Well, unfortunately, uh, fairness doesn't really come into question because a lot of departments are so short of paramedics and people who are able to provide the service that it's not that they're just trying to be unfair. It's they're, they're being stuck on the ambulance out of necessity. And that's been a very difficult thing for a lot of firefighter paramedics. 
Well, in your experience, have you have you seen a situation where some guys want to be on an ambulance and some don't, or are they mostly that they'd rather not? Well, it's, it's kind of funny. I've seen both. And that, that's kind of what you know, drew me to write this article because it's not something that's really discussed very much, except for really in a negative tone. Um, a lot of people are just trying to get away from it. It's almost kind of like a, a running joke in the fire service of being you know, stuck on the ambulance. But I've also seen people who've taken to the job and done a good job with it. And it's led them to good careers and you know they enjoy what they do. But I'm kind of in that boat myself. I mean, if it wasn't for EMS or being a paramedic, I probably, well, actually, I know I would not be in the fire service because I became a paramedic first and EMS led me to the fire service. Now, that's interesting. Did did your department start out with without ambulances and then add them while you've been around, or have they always been that way? During my career, they've always provided full transport. I think they started back in 1999 providing full transport, but my department's a very old one, so it's it's been a we were kind of on the cutting edge as far as providing EMS in the state of Alabama, um, very progressive. But <clears throat> we're a, a large, a pretty large city, and we have you know a lot of areas that are poverty-stricken. So emergency services are kind of the primary care for a lot of people. And with that comes just a high call volume of emergency and non-emergency calls. And for people who get into the fire service and providing EMS, it is a it's a it's a lot. <laughs> to handle sometimes. What's the protocol with your department if you, say, go to a structure fire because they need to have an ambulance at the scene, but there's no need for medical care immediately? Do you then jump into the suppression role, or do you have to stand by? It typically, for us, depends on the the incident commander, whatever he determines the need for the scene. You know, some incident commanders, they really would rather you stay outside in case something happens. Um, so that you kind of get to on medical standby. Does that mean that you're sort of a RIC team? No, it's a term is rehab. Oh, okay. You're like the rehab team. Yeah, so you're there to watch after the firefighters and be, basically be on standby in case they discover any victims inside the structure. But some some incident commanders, when you when they pull up on scene, you arrive, they'll assign you to uh, search and rescue, or they'll assign you and your partner to assist the uh, quint crew or truck crew with a salvage and overhaul, ventilation, those kinds of things. It, it totally depends on the incident commander. Isn't that asking for trouble if you have a limited number of people on scene and some of your firefighters are actually staffing an ambulance? It can be it can be difficult. You know, that's you know, one issue that I've I've witnessed is the the need for more and more ambulances in a city and basically they a department will add ambulances but not add positions. And basically, they'll rob the position from the suppression apparatus to fill the ambulance to where the staffing, whereas I guess 20 years ago, we would have five people on a fire engine now where it's pretty common to have three because those two extra positions ended up basically being eaten up by the ambulance staffing. So it really is, it is a problem. You know, staffing's a problem everywhere. But uh, the EMS transport piece is definitely adding to that issue majorly because but one reason you have to have people to do the, if you're going to do it, you need people to do it. But also, firefighters personally don't want to do the transport service. Uh, a majority of them don't. So they're trying to find departments that haven't, you know, made that crossover yet. So if your department's transporting, you're going to have a hard time retaining, uh, recruiting people to actually do the job that you're promising to do. 
I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code 3 Podcast Gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. So how do you keep your skills up for firefighting when you probably got runs all day for medical calls? So that's the that's the kicker. That's the hard thing to do. And like I said, it, it depends on the incident commander. And some incident commanders will use you on the fire scene. Um, some will never use you on the fire scene. We try to rotate our ambulance crews onto the suppression apparatus. But like I said before, we are so short of paramedics that uh, sometimes it doesn't happen as regularly as it should. But it's it, it's a it's a tough thing. I mean, transports are just totally different than anything that a regular fire department does. I, I use the term transport and not EMS because I believe a fire department can do EMS, respond to EMS calls, intervene on medical scenes. And I think that's the best model. But when you when a fire department takes on also transporting every patient, that just adds such a huge workload to the department that I think is slowly increased over the years. I think there are probably any number of ways to handle this, but I know that many departments require firefighters to have at least an EMT cert. So should these guys be worried if the department decides to add its own ambulances? I mean, are they going to get pulled off the trucks and the engines and put into an ambulance when this starts? It's it's extremely possible because, you know, fire departments are always trying to find innovative ways to cut costs, save money. And when you provide transports, that's an automatic revenue source if it's done efficiently. As far as uh, the billing stuff, the only way you are able to recoup any cost in EMS currently is if you transport. Um, You can go to a a scene and provide medications, all those things, but unless you load them into a truck and start driving down the road, you don't see a dollar off of it. So a lot of departments are seeing that revenue source as a as an asset. I'm familiar with a couple of departments that have been so concerned about the ambulance providers they have that they're talking about doing their own ambulance service, and that's what I'm referring to here. It's hard because it, it's it's kind of a it's a hard line because when you do provide your own transport service, you do have the ambulances available, uh, typically on scene in a, I guess in a more timely manner. The response times can be lower, whereas if you depend on a third service or a private service, sometimes you know, it's the communication isn't there or the third service or uh, private service is providing transport services for multiple departments and your department can find themselves on the short end of the stick <laughs> during certain calls and they need a truck and they're responding out of county or whatever. But there are some that are definitely driven by the revenue aspect. And uh, in my opinion, that typically leads to <laughs> a negative result in the department as far as morale and crew unity and all those things. So I guess you just kind of have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and making sure you're doing it because the community expects it and needs it. So then do some people look at you as an ambulance attendant or a glorified ambulance attendant instead of a firefighter? Oh, absolutely. I remember, I remember one night we were, we'd had a busy day and 
I'd actually been to a structure fire earlier in the day, and I still smelled like smoke. And I'm leaning against the wall doing a patient care report. It's, you know, two in the morning. And a, a, a nice nurse looked up at me, and she just asked, so uh, do you start out as a paramedic and then work your way up to becoming a firefighter? <laughs> oh. I had to correct her and say, actually, I do both. I'm a firefighter paramedic. It, it can hit your pride a little bit sometimes when you're, you know, riding the ambulance. Or, or some like to say, stuck on the box. <laughs> Given all that we've said, are a lot of your paramedics who staff ambulances happy to be doing that job? And if they, and the ones that are, what's their attitude like? How do they get to be really good at, at doing that particular job? It, it, it just depends on who you're speaking to that day, I guess. Some of us are really happy. You know, like I said, if it wasn't for EMS and being a paramedic on an ambulance, I probably never would have found myself in the fire service. So, I enjoy that aspect because I just, EMS drew me into it. However, when I joined the fire service, and I'll, I'll speak for a lot of people, I fell in love with it also. And it was it was tough in my early years, especially the first few years I was in the department. I wanted to prove myself as a suppression firefighter. And it was it was difficult to, I guess, be stuck with the responsibility of just being a paramedic uh, more often than actually a suppression firefighter. But, you know, looking back on it, being a paramedic on the ambulance, I've found myself in a lot of very high-stress situations, a lot of exciting calls. I had a lot of responsibility placed on me at a pretty young age of my career, and I think it made me a lot better to deal with all that stress. I don't know, hopefully hopefully, I could be an example for the younger guys who are stuck in the same position I was in before. The thing we have to understand as firefighters is love it or hate the, the ambulance, it's not up to us to decide if our department is going to transport or not. If the department decides to transport, we are going to have to do that service if we want to stay with that department. So focusing on the positive aspect of it versus the negative is going to make your career better. It's going to make you provide a better service. And ultimately, it could lead you to a better career. Because if you can handle this tough position with a positive attitude, typically your department is going to reward you for taking on the tough position and fighting through it and doing a good job. All right, Ben Thompson, thanks for joining me today on Code 3. Thank you. So what did you think of Ben's viewpoint? Are you in the same situation? And if so, what do you think of it? Do you like it or are you trying to get out? You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash ambo. There's links to more info there as well, so check it out. How would you like to hear even more from some Code 3 guests? You can. It's called the Code 3 Bull Session. If you make a monthly pledge of $10 or more on our Patreon page, you can get access to it immediately. It's easy. Head over to Code3Podcast.com slash support to make your pledge and join the people who are already backing Code 3. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition. Thank you for listening. I'll be back again next time with more, and I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.